Hello, everyone, and hope you're doing well. When kids grow up having pets, besides having another sibling or buddy, there are many life lessons they teach us. Just being in their presence helps us calm down. Animals also provide unconditional love and can be a companion in a different way than with our human relationships. I remember my very first dog that was mine. Our first family dog was supposed to be mine, but he gravitated toward our mother. She fed and trained him, so he became her loyal companion. I was seven years old, and my feelings were hurt because I wanted the Sheltie as a buddy. Then, a rescue dog came into our lives suddenly, and this dog became mine. I trained her, slept with her, and she became my best friend for 13 years, helping me navigate the sometimes painful childhood and teenage experiences. She was the one stable force in my life and someone I could depend on. I will never forget the bond we had. Welcome to the Animal Academy podcast. I'm Allison White, and I'm a licensed clinical social worker who specializes in the human-animal connection. This podcast will showcase professionals who share their areas of expertise in an ongoing series of interviews, and you are there. Their input, stories, and knowledge will help us all understand that we are the ones that actually end up learning from the animals. This is the Animal Academy Podcast. I've invited my nephew, Andrew Peacock, to join me today to discuss his own experiences growing up with pets and what he has learned over the years. Welcome, Andrew. I'm looking forward to our discussion today. Oh, thank you. I'm excited. I'm excited to talk to you, too. Why don't we start out by telling me a little bit about yourself, although I know you pretty well. And <laughs> Somehow. <laughs> tell the li- yeah, tell the <laughs> listeners what you've been doing these days. Hi, so I'm Andrew Peacock, and I recently graduated from the College of Worcester with an English major. Over the pandemic, I've just been kind of getting through it like everybody else, but I've also been working as a barista and working as a freelance editor as well, and currently looking forward to going to grad school next year in D.C. That's really exciting. Yeah, should be fun. (laughs) Yeah. So you've had a a busy day. I know you've, you've had some fun. Uh, fun times exercising and biking and doing some yeah. other things. Yeah, biked, did a little bike trip to DC, which was pretty fun. <laughs> a little, four hundred miles, <laughs> a few miles every day. Did the trick. <laughs> so that's that's awesome. What was your first pet? And do you remember what age you were at the time you had your first pet? I do, honestly. I mean, I look back and I see my first dog is just the fundamental the foundation of all of my love for pets and it was this golden retriever that you gave me surprise surprise (laughs) amazing that that happened (laughs) this golden retriever i got when i was four or so i was four i think my sister was seven and it was just built into or he was built into our family from the get-go and it was just so fun to be a part of that and be a part of a a pet family. And it's hard even to really describe just what powerful thing that is. Well, I remember it was actually your mom, I think, that really Mm -hmm. glomped onto this little blonde golden retriever puppy. It was the only one that was really, really blonde in the, the litter. And my intention was not for you guys to get one because you'd always have had cats. 
But anyway, you ended up with one. And- Always had cats. <laughs> <laughs> so do you remember what your earliest memory was? I actually remember seeing him for the first time. And I'm not sure how I do because it just seems so long ago. But I remember walking into your house, going into the living room there and just seeing all the puppies sprawled across the floor, like in this little gated area. But specifically, I mean, I wanted the the dog with the red collar personally, but that's <laughs> definitely that. just because I was a boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I also remember looking over to the couch and seeing my mother, who was just sitting there, just chilling with this little puppy in her lap. And it had a yellow collar. I was basing literally all of my decisions on the color of the puppy's collar. So <laughs> at first I was like, oh, it's yellow. I don't want that puppy. <laughs> but it ended up quickly becoming, I mean, Pomet, who we eventually named the puppy, eventually became my best friend within days. <laughs> mm-hmm. So tell me how you came to name the dog, the puppy Pomet. Pomet came from a creek that goes next to our family home in Cape Cod. My dad's parents have had this house for generations, and this creek flows right next to it. And it's always been a special place for us. So we named it Pommet after the waterway next to that house. Awesome. So it has special meaning. Yes. Special place. (laughs) Yeah. So you were four years old. And at that young age, did you have anything you needed to do as a responsibility to take care of Pomet? So I was always the infamous pooper scooper. (laughs) (laughs) It was the best job you could possibly get, obviously. But I... It was definitely not my favorite thing to do ever. I'm sure it wasn't. <laughs> I got used to it eventually. It was my weekly task every or all the time. So I got used to it. But I learned some responsibility through it. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, for a four-year-old. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for a four-year-old. <laughs> a lot of times with puppies, uh, puppies think of little kids as litter mates. And so when we did obedience class, we all went because I had a puppy at my house too. So we went to obedience class together and the instructor, Ginger Kenyon, who was a guest of one of my other podcasts talking about obedience training, talked about the importance of basic manners when kids are around puppies because you're teaching them to not be a littermate and to stand like a tree and, you know, when they're jumping up and not get down and wrestle with them too much. And they're specific things. You remember all of that from class? Oh, I do. <laughs> <laughs> and I was always, always seen as a litter mate to, to Pomet. <laughs> I think, I think we were, you're right. We were constantly just roughhousing wherever we went. And I always questioned it when I finally started to see, oh, my parents can throw out these commands and he he actually listens. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And when I wanted to do that, it, it totally backfired. It never mm-hmm. would work. <laughs> Yeah, and there's a reason for that. Exactly. You're one of him. <laughs> exactly. He sees me as his his brother, his friend. Mm-hmm. He does mm-hmm. not see me as any sort of authoritative figure. <laughs> You're right. But I do remember I was babysitting for you and Tori one time, and I had just taken a puppy class, and Ginger taught us how to teach a dog tricks. And I thought, huh, I wonder if you guys would be interested in teaching your puppy how to wave. 
And yeah. so I got the clicker out and you guys taught him how to wave in like five or 10 minutes. I you remember think I that? remember that. <laughs> yeah. I did forget about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was pretty impressive. Yeah. And so then eventually it was the wave and then it became the prey for his food. Uh, that was kind of fun. That was cool. Looking back at having different animals in your life, how did they provide support and companionship for you? Honestly, I think they were the part of the foundation for how I figured out what a relationship is even at all about. This dog that I, I felt I could depend on and I felt he could depend on me as well. If he was ever seeking attention or wanting to, I don't know, roughhouse or have fun, smile a little bit. Um, he could depend on me, but if I was having a bad day, I could always just snuggle up next to him and be near him for a little bit. And it was it was very special for me. So he was really a good friend for a number of years, you know, all through your teenage years. Yeah. I look back on that as, I mean, he was my best friend for that portion of time. And uh, that's super special to me. So how would you say that, and they're very different, but how does living with Animals differ from friendships with humans or relationships with humans. Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Obviously, it's complex, but it's also not. I mean, if you treat them well and you're you're good friends with them, but also you tell them when it's it's right or wrong, I mean they they can become your ally for life, and it's really impressive. And I'm not sure how that compares with human relationships because you can just depend on them through any situation. It taught me just like what a a true friendship and true relationship is all about. And it's a person that you can depend on through any situation. And so I think that's, that's mostly how it compares is you have, that's exactly what I learned from having Pomet as a pet, as my dog. He taught me some of the most important lessons in life. <laughs> Think about all those life lessons. You know, for me, when I was, uh, I had my first dog when I was seven. And then we had a rescue dog when I was eight. That And she became my dog. Her name was Heidi. And I had her for 13 years through all of my teenage years, which are rocky, uh, rocky yeah. times anyway. Yeah, but exactly. one thing, yeah, relationships and breakups and all this kind of stuff yeah, going on. Exactly. Um, <laughs> trouble with school and whatever. But what I knew for sure is that my dog Heidi was always there and I would go to sleep with her and she'd be there. And it was this steady kind of, there weren't any ups and downs. She was pretty much, um, had steady temperament. Um, she didn't judge me. And she was always there with a wagging tail. Absolutely. And I think that's part of it as well. I mean, people worry day in, day out that there's judgment just around the corner or they're going to be judged for some random thing. But when it comes down to pet relationship, you're not going to be judged in that way. And there's, I mean, that worry just, it kind of dissolves in that, in those moments. You know what, what just came to mind too, is that I wonder if the language the fact that we're not actually using words with dogs. We are, but they're not really understanding words the way we're intending them. They think of more of the tone that we use rather yeah, than the specific words, unless it's a command that they learn, like sit and down. But with people, look at how complex we are when we're talking to each other. It's like, hmm, I wonder what that person meant by that with that word or that phrase. Or, you know, there's a lot of reading into what people are thinking or saying. And with animals, it's just that face value. 
there we are. There they are. There they are. Tongue out, tail <laughs> wagging, ready to embrace you. <laughs> That's right. That's right. It's so it's awesome very thing. simple. It's very It's open. a very simple. Yeah, it's very simple, but it's very deep um, mm-hmm. as far as the complexity of that relationship, I think, too. Exactly. So you've also had cats. Yes. What other <laughs> More cats? cats than any dogs. But <laughs> I think it says a million things to be able to say that I'm after five cats in my life. And after one dog, <laughs> I'm still a dog person. <laughs> really? I was wondering <laughs> yeah. about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not an easy thing to say because I love my cats. I mean, I love them to death. But Pama just made such an impact on me at such a fundamental part of my life that I think that's why I still say I'm a dog person and I'm not sure I'm going to ever change that. It's just different. It doesn't detract at all that from the fact that I love my cats with all of my being at this point. I have two little black cats that we adopted just from under a deck two years ago and named them Noodle and Darcy. <laughs> I love those names. <laughs> They're, they are just perfect for who they are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so how was it to bring, they were litter mates, I'm assuming, because you found them both together. Sisters. What is it like? Yeah. What is it like to raise two kittens? Is that? It's interesting because, I mean, not only are they two kittens, I think I mean, first, they're different from any other cats we've I've ever had <laughs> in a lot of ways, just in character and in energy and all of that. But they're also serving as the first pets that I have to take care of as I enter into an adult life and that kind of thing. Oh, and it's very so, different. Yeah, it is very different. You are the role model for these pets and you tell them when it's right or wrong. Whereas before it was parents or guardian. Yeah. The basic behavior that you're teaching them now, it's kind of like you reinforce what you want to have more of, you know? So be careful when puppies are little or kittens are little that you reinforce the right things or that's going to, the behavior is going to continue. Exactly. Exactly. And if you don't, they're just going to keep doing it. (laughs) They're (laughs) also smart cats. So yeah. Maybe your tool of trying to change their behavior is a little spray bottle or something. I mean, they'll just learn when the spray bottle starts to, or when you (laughs) pick up the spray bottle, because they'll look from across the room if I pick up the spray bottle these days. (laughs) They'll see that neon pink rising Uh above the chair (laughs) and coming right at them. They notice those things Mm -hmm. and they know when is the right time. They're smart cats. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It constantly surprised me. Yeah. And so it shows you with that reinforcer, that constant reaching for something that they know exactly what's going to follow. And I've tried to, well, I've tried to mess with my dog sometimes with that too, because um, if I open up a certain drawer, they think that they're going to get a cookie or treat. And so I really have to figure that out if I want to get into that drawer for something else because they're going to be right there wanting a treat. (laughs) (laughs) And I could just like move towards that drawer and they're already right there. So you have many pairs of eyes on you. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So it's that repetition that will continue whatever that behavior is. Absolutely. So tell me some of the differences like when you're growing up with cats versus your dog. Did you notice anything when you were little? Well, yeah. It's a very different relationship, it seems, and but also very similar at the same time. Me being a, a little boy back then, 
I never really thought about the responsibility as much as I do with these cats. So it's been interesting. It's, it is a big difference because I, I don't even really I, I wonder how I relate with them. Well, and maybe it was because your dog was really, well, and I don't even know if I should say that. Was he yours or did he bond with you more than other people in the family? Did you notice that? I think we all had different relationships with the dogs, with the cats as well. Because my dad was seen often as the command center for Pomet. And Mm -hmm. he always, when my dad stood up or something, my dog or Pomet always was alert. Like, what is he going to do next? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. With my mom, I think she was a comforting soul for Pomet. And I think they had this endearing relationship where he loved to snuggle with her every once in a while. And it it was just a a good place for them both to go to, into a cuddle. And for me, I mean, it was always a playful thing. And I'm not sure I actually have lost that with the cats. I think that's a linking thread between helping raise Pomet and then helping raise these cats as well. I, I've always enjoyed playing with my, my pets, and that's something I, I don't think I'll ever lose. And I've always done it in different ways, but, I mean, we've even at this point taught our cat to play fetch. Right. <laughs> she, she loves it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Darcy, not so much, but Noodle is... I haven't really explained why she's she was named a noodle, but she is just the most noodly cat I've ever <laughs> come across. Because you walk up to her and she'll just collapse mm-hmm. on her back and just sprawl everywhere like a noodle. That's exactly why we named her that. <laughs> mm-hmm. How cute. She's very playful. And Darcy is too. She just picks her battles. <laughs> All right. Well, smart cat. She picks when she wants to spend her energy playing and when not to. Mm -hmm. They're also very curious. And we've allowed them to kind of venture out into the backyard with little leashes (laughs) and harnesses around them. But otherwise, they're pretty much indoor cats. Well, you said you raised an important point, too, is that we don't ever want to stop playing even as adults. And I think that life gets so serious. And especially during the pandemic, it has just been, ooh, it's just been a really challenging time. And people have adopted pets specifically for the companionship. But I think that getting, you know, back to the basics, enjoying playing, enjoying the present moment, which our pets always do help us with, teaches us an important life lesson. That's very true. I'm sure that's exactly why people bought or adopted so many cat or pets this pandemic. I mean, you just need that that fundamental fun in your life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you mm-hmm. need that ability to let go and play a little bit every day. And pets can easily remind you of that. I mean, I'll look across the room where we're just hanging out after a long work day or something. And we'll, I'll look across the room and just see Noodle just like, throwing this little knitted yarn ball or something (laughs) up in the air and throwing it across the room and chasing it like it's a a living little mouse or something. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just the funniest thing, but it, it, it's a great reminder to just 
live free and not think too much about or worry too much about life? Well, we have to have our downtimes. And downtime, I mean calm times. And I, in another podcast episode, I talked about mindfulness and how one time I was working for a healthcare organization and I came home. It was the end of the day. I was really tired, but I was still on my cell phone working, looking at email. And I had a puppy that I was housebreaking and I was watching him in the backyard and I kept thinking, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up so I can move on to the next thing. Like it was a task and it was a task. But what I didn't realize until I looked up and, and watched him is he was having a good time in the backyard, you know, found a stick, he was running around and I put my cell phone down and I actually watched him and I really enjoyed spending time with my puppy. So I had to break oh, out yeah. of the routine of work, transition at home, but then also realize what am I doing? Absolutely. You know, I really need to pay attention to my dog and I got a lot of enjoyment out of it. Yeah. I've been really impressed with just how present animals can be. And I think that's kind of the constant goal for a lot of people is to be present at any given moment. But I, I can watch my cats also just staring out the window for hours, <laughs> mostly if the door's open and the screen's on. They'll just sit there and they will watch the world just playing itself out. And just like your dog in the yard, I mean, it's just, it's a cool thing to be able to just sit down and watch them for a little bit because it reminds you to break out of routine as well and step back into the present moment if you have not been able to do that, that is. Yeah, it's very hard because the way the world is, is we are always forward thinking and we're looking at the next thing on our to-do list to complete. And so it's hard to bring ourselves back to, ah, oh, this is what I need to do too. Exactly. So one, you know, I've had so many animals in my life, as you know, <laughs> um, but the, the most difficult thing is when they start getting older and you see that they're slowing down a little bit and they're mm -hmm. changing just like we do, except right. unfortunately with animals, they don't live as long. You know, it's sad to see them go downhill and eventually mm -hmm. we can just say goodbye to them. And that's probably the hardest thing about having pets. Absolutely. It really is. I'm never going to forget just what impact my pets in the past have made on my life, even if even if I didn't appreciate them so much in the moment. And I think that we I can look back and think of some of the things that I've done with my animals in the past, I should have fed them a different food or whatever. And as we started learning more about nutrition, I was trying to do the best I could at the moment. But then later on with research, I'm like, oh, I should have done this or I should have fed these kind of treats instead of this. But that's kind of that. Uh, we, we can't get into that uh, on that hamster wheel of going back to the back. Let me go back to <laughs> what I said. We, yeah. We we can't do that to ourselves because at the moment we do the best we could. Exactly. And we have to move on. You do the best you can and that is enough. So Andrew, what else would you like to share about life with animals? Is there anything else? The biggest lesson that the animals in my life have ever taught me is simply to think less. Think less about specifics and details and remember to always be okay with doing nothing. Ooh, that's hard. Oh my gosh. Yeah, right? <laughs> it's okay to just relax and 
enjoy what is currently happening. I think mm-hmm. that's what they've taught me the best. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, a huge life lesson that we all are trying to work on. And that's why there, there's yoga and mindfulness classes yep. and all <laughs> kinds of things for wellness. Exactly. But animals have that down. They've got yeah, it down to a they science. They do. They do. <laughs> <laughs> we just have to learn from them. Exactly. Andrew, I've really enjoyed our conversation today. I'm so glad you were able to take time out of your busy break before you move on to your your next life transition, which is really exciting. So your next step is moving. Yes, the, the great move. Always moving towards that. It feels like we've been anticipating it for months, but you never quite are done with moving. And it, no. it feels like. <laughs> yeah. Well, in graduate school, yeah, getting ready for that. So good luck in graduate school. Thanks again. I appreciate you taking time out. Of course. I am happy to be here. Take care. Yep. You too. Bye-bye. I enjoyed speaking with my nephew, Andrew, and hearing about how his pets influenced his life. Besides having fish and frogs, Andrew experienced the important friendships he shared with his first dog, Pomet. It's easy to take for granted the significant role a pet can play and a young child's life. In my private practice, I often hear clients say they remember their parents suddenly giving away their favorite pet, which caused a huge loss in their young life. They've never forgotten about this memory. It is difficult to replace these relationships and the wounds created by their loss. I encourage everyone to look at ways your pets have improved the quality of your life and some of the lessons taught about how to be a better human as a result of their presence in your life. Yes, there are times when my pets have their challenging moments. For example, when my young dog tested my limits by not listening or when he decided to chew up my favorite chew. There are many more positives that I try and remember during those times. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Animal Academy podcast. Please visit my website at ouranimalconnection.com where you can find all of my podcast episodes or you can listen wherever you normally listen to your podcasts. Now, go hug your pets and enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this episode of the Animal Academy podcast. Detailed contact information and links for each of the guests and resources provided inside this episode can be found at my website, animalacademypodcast.com. I'm Allison White, licensed clinical social worker specializing in the human-animal connection. Let's share and learn from the animals in the next episode of the Animal Academy podcast.